Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would touch our hearts this morning, that your spirit uh, even now begins to move upon us in a, in a mighty and powerful way that not one person would leave here without being changed in some way for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You can all be seated. <clears throat> I had fully intended uh, to preach out of 1 Samuel today, but the, the the Holy Spirit led me in a different direction, and uh, He wouldn't let me uh, not preach this, uh, this particular text this morning. So this morning, if I had to give a title for the sermon, it would be, Where is the Star? Where's the Star for you this morning? Not long ago, I was uh, reflecting on how the world is just in this huge, godless mess. Every day uh, there's one more bombing, one more divorce, one more lie, uh, one more hate-filled tirade. It's enough to make you weep. It, it truly is uh, nothing short of heartbreaking. And my heart breaks even more when I uh, think of the general condition and the health of many of the churches of Christ world, worldwide. They're weak, powerless confused as to their purpose, doctrinally unsound in many cases, and filled with lukewarm professing Christians who are fast asleep sitting in their pew. And let us not forget the same destructive sins that destroy families and individuals outside of the body of Christ also many times plague God's children inside of the church. Uh, adultery, cheating, liars, rebels, fornicators, black-hearted reprobates that are saved by grace. Know that Christians would return to faithfulness and obedience to their Lord and purpose to serve with and live their lives to the glory of God. And you know, I, I think to myself very often, why can't we just see God do something really amazing in these days that we live in? I ask God frequently, I, I plead with him, Father, why don't you do something just so amazing and so unbelievable that men and women and even children fall to their knees and they cry out and they acknowledge the living God. And oh, can there be a great, and, and, and if there is this great and mighty sovereign God, oh you, God, show just a glimmer of your glory in a way that makes the world quake, that the world would just shake, that just one, uh, just, just once from, from my eyes and, and from my ears that I could see the, the, the rocks break open and the trees and the waves of the ocean begin to cry out the name of the Almighty so that every tribe and tongue and people and nation could know and understand the salvation that God alone gives. And I plead, oh God, do something 
Do something epic. Do something astonishing. Like have another sun just for a brief moment appear in the sky or maybe the stars in the night sky explode in red and blue and green like fireworks. Or how about the highest of all mountains burst into flames of red and orange and yellow and yet not be consumed. Just once more, oh God, let us see your power. Lord, please, let there be an outpouring of your Holy Spirit that's so powerful, so convicting, so overwhelming, so consuming, that no human being among the masses of the world, no matter if it's, if it's the worst, the most heinous, the most deplorable sinners that the world has ever seen, would repent and trust and believe in Christ alone as Savior. Oh, God that your children would understand the magnitude of your grace shed upon them so that they could never again fail to keep you as the center of their very existence, that Christ would be their everything, their complete sufficiency. I just want to see God do something, do something so that his glory is recognized and worshipped and he is exalted higher than the heavens every day. And i got to ask you, have you ever wanted those things? Have you ever thought about those things? you ever thought like that? About wanting to see God move again? You want just one more thing. And that's when I realized he's already done the greatest thing he ever could do to amaze a sin-filled world. He could do all the things I thought of and 10 million times a billion, billion more. And it could not compare with what he already did almost 2,000 years ago there in Bethlehem's manger to get the attention of the fallen sons of Adam and the fallen daughters of Eve. We pause and we go, look, look right there in the manger, the son of God lays upon the hay, the king of all creation, the creator himself, residing there in a stable. Look, up there in the sky, the myriads of angels illuminated by the glorious light of heaven, and they cry out in the night sky, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We look at the words of Isaiah. In chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7 it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do it. Now it's fulfilled. That verse is fulfilled. We hear the words of that hymn, What Child Is This? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. This, this is Christ the King, the babe, the son of Mary. His journey to Calvary's cross 
started in Bethlehem's manger. A journey that would secure the salvation of the children of God, where Christ would reign forever as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we don't need to look for any more signs this morning. We need to look at the greatest wonder of God already in front of us, His Son, Jesus Christ. Look for more signs this morning if you like, but it is already there. There it is right in front of you and I on the pages of Scripture. It's written in the Bible, written on the hearts of men and women for you to stop and behold it. And I would just say, wait no longer. It is there. There's three things I want us to look at in our sermon this morning. One is a star is seen. Second is a star is followed. And then lastly, a star is found. If we read through that whole first portion of chapter 2, after, after verse 2 it says this, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, Where is the Christ? Uh, where the, uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judah. For so it is written by the prophet, And you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. See, the truth be known, the world today really isn't that much different than the world as it was almost 2,000 years ago. It's still a battle between light and darkness. There was still, there, there's still death, disease, famine, war, hate, poverty. To sum it up, there was still sin, still disobedience to God. The once powerful and mighty kingdom of Israel, God's chosen people, was gone, leaving God's people in a state of subjection to the mighty Roman Empire. First Israel is taken into exile by, at the hands of the Assyrians, and then Judah goes into exile at the hands of Babylon. Then comes Greece, and then, and then they're still in a mess. The promised land really wasn't what it was many years ago, and it hadn't changed on that one starry night in Bethlehem, there was still darkness over the land. It was still hopeless. It would truly seem like the smile of Jehovah was gone for good. That his blessings, his grace, his mercy was forever departed from among the people. He had warned them and given them chance after chance after chance. And now here they were in this dark, dark place. 
But the faithful, those who truly walk with their God, would know that the darkness of sin, that depravity of the human heart, could never snuff out the power of God's promises. There would be light. There would be a Messiah, a Savior. We look back and we see that promise all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, <clears throat> I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. But that's not it. That's not all there is. We look at Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, till the Messiah comes, one from the tribe of Judah. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will, con will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We already looked at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a time of trouble. Again, a prophecy of the exact time when the Christ would come. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace the list just goes on they waited on the promise of a messiah the son of abraham isaac jacob the trial of the tribe of judah of the house of david born in, born in bethlehem there was still hope. There was still hope crying out from the hearts of some who believed these promises. They knew that somehow, some way, sometime, someplace, that the smile of the Father and the light of His countenance would return. But when? There had been 400 very silent years before this. And earlier in the day, before that night fell and that one star began to shine so brightly, I can hear their prayers at the temple. I can hear them at the walls of the temple. Jehovah, how long? 
How much longer, Lord, till these Romans leave, till our nation is restored whole? When will this darkness upon the land and upon our hearts leave, O God? Jehovah, when will you come and fight for us and show your love and power to your chosen people once again? We cry out ourselves, how much longer, Lord? I don't know how much longer I can take all this darkness in my life, Lord. When will I see a light at the end of this long, dark path that I've been on for seemingly an eternity now? Oh, Lord, will there ever be a victory? Will the light ever win out over these dark days and these darker nights? They say that seeing is believing. But first, you must be looking with the expectation to find. Just like the wise men were doing. See, they had saw that star. They saw the star. The words of the wise men, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. And oh, that they were looking is so very obvious from maybe a thousand or more miles away, eager anticipation would fix their gaze upon that star. These wise men from the east would have known the ancient Hebrew writings. They would have studied them. All those verses we looked at earlier, they would have known those passages. Then, when by the words of the prophet Daniel, when they read that prophecy from Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, they understood this is the time. And they began waiting, and they began watching, and then, then it happened. I can't imagine what it was like for them. They walk out on their terrace one evening, and all of a sudden they look up and they go, there it is. And they go back to their books and they start looking and they come to numbers and they go, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star, a star shall come out of Jacob. They knew the direction where that star was. They knew what lay there. And they see it and they're looking at it. There it was, the star, they saw it. And they knew that if the star was there, then surely the rest of the prophecies would be fulfilled also. The Messiah had come. The promised one was there. They had not been distracted by all the other things in life. They had not set other things as a greater priority them. Theirs was a purpose with a singular focus. They wanted to see this one who was born king of the Jews that was proclaimed to be the Messiah. And not just any king. See, they went to see a king, but not just any king, but the king of kings. He would make all things right in this broken world. But many had been looking for and longing for and anticipating the day that the wise men were looking at. From ancient days, the desire was there to have things made right. That promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 of a Messiah was eagerly looked for by the prophets. Their heart's desires, their, their focus, their, their priorities were to see and to experience the grace of God found in the Messiah. And just so you know, 
Sometimes they get it wrong. See, the wise men didn't show up on the night of Christ's birth. You have to know that. That didn't happen like that. I know we see it like that in the movies and all, but that's not how it happened. It's nearly two years after the angels lit up the night sky with a song of proclamation that the Son of God had come there in Bethlehem, and that one star began to shine so brightly. It's after that, almost two years, they find the star that came out of Jacob right over that one place there in Bethlehem. Now these wise men were, were seen part of the greatest act of God's power in all of mankind's history unfold right before their eyes. Can you imagine whatever place they were in, whether it was Babylon or some way fur, someplace further away or someplace a little bit closer, closer, can you imagine that there they are and they're understanding we are seeing the greatest event in human history. They would need to see nothing else to make them believe in what God could do, would do, and had done for all creation with the birth of this Messiah. And I got to ask you, you know, we get to this Christmas season and I think we get distracted. Do you see anything this morning? Do you see what Scripture tells us about here in Matthew chapter 2? That star that is shining that points to the Messiah. It's all right there in front of you. The star is shining with the brilliance of heaven, for God's Son has come. The better question may be are you even looking for what God has promised in the pages of His Word? And yes, I hear a lot of people. I hear a lot of responses that are going on right now, that go on all year round, that's gone on for your whole lives. When the question's asked, are you looking for him? Well, listen, really, I don't have time right now, okay? Uh, I'm pretty busy with my schedule, my business, uh, my work, my hobbies, uh, my, my family, my marriage, uh, movies, you know, I gotta, I gotta go to the movies, I gotta go to these concerts, I gotta do the, you know, I just, I don't have a whole lot of time here. You know, I've heard it, and I've kind of seen a little bit, but I just really don't have time for it anymore. And listen, we'll follow the, the tales of fools and the legends of lunatics many times before we'll follow the truth of the Son of God presented in Scripture. Sometimes it's, really, I just, I don't have no purpose to do it. Sorry, you know, I just, it just doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I don't see any real purpose in it. I'm doing fine just the way I am. Or sometimes it's, I have time to look later. See, I'm only 23 years old, or I'm only 43 years old, or I'm only 17. I got my whole life ahead of me to look for the Messiah. Maybe, maybe when it's more convenient. Or it might just be that your focus is just on other things, other more important things. And yet, at times, you will still ask God to show you one more great thing again. Even though, you have, even though you have right before your eyes the greatest show of His love and power you could ever want or need there in that manger in Bethlehem with the Son of God. Many, though, have seen the star and you've, you looked, 
and you gazed in wide-eyed wonder at the Son of God there in the, in the pages of Scripture amid the straw and the chickens and the cows and all these other things and the camels and the stable. You've seen it and your heart has been captured by the Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. You see the truths of Scripture, the fulfillment of the prophets, and you believe. There's a passage that uh, I found very important not long ago uh, to, to start working on memorizing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen Him, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In days past, you sought him, and then one day, there he was, shining with the brilliance in your heart, like a giant star up in the heavens. And listen, I'm just going to throw this in here. This is kind of, it's not even in my notes. I get so sick and tired of hearing people explain that star. Well, it was a conjunction of the planets and all, and we're going to see it again in 4,000 years or 365, the planets all do. Why can't it just be a miracle? That's what God does. It's just a miracle that that star stayed in the same place for almost two years, leading those men to him. We don't need to worry about how it happened. We just need to be concerned that God did it. Listen, you needed no other signs when you came to Christ. You needed no other signs for the rest of your life. You would never need another sign. You, you see what is the most important thing in life, and it's Jesus Christ. Today that star shines so brightly, uh, uh, shines so brightly almost 2,000 years ago, it still shines today in Scripture. We don't need, there was something in the news the other day, the, the Christmas star is going to be here on such and such a date, so it's going to be so beautiful, go out and look, I don't need to see it. I see it right here every time I open up the book to Matthew chapter 2. You're those people who once walked in darkness, who've seen a great light, those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. And I just ask you, can you not see clearly God's plan of salvation now? You need no other signs. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what Paul told the Philippian jailer. And now listen, if, you, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, run to Jesus. Run Savior, come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See His salvation and let it bring you life anew. And I promise you this, Christians, you will see Him again. He is either going to come down in the clouds of glory and take us all out of here, or you're going to go through that deep, dark river and you're going to see Him face to face one day. Second point is this, a star is falling. It's one thing to believe in something, it's quite another thing to believe and then step out in faith and follow it. It wasn't enough for these wise men to just see the star and believe. They just look, didn't look, they just didn't look, look up one day and go, oh, hey, that's a star that, you know, was running. Okay, it's here, okay. No, that's not what they wanted. That wasn't enough for them. They would step out in faith and maybe, and maybe some great curiosity 
and follow it to wherever it would lead, to, would lead them. In verse 1, it says that they came from the east. Babylon, uh, at least, maybe farther. It may be some different area. There's some different thoughts on that. That is some distance, no matter what you're doing. Considering the desert conditions and the fact that they were traveling by foot power. Many a man has died in attempts to cross even smaller portions of desert regions. Think of the hardship that's involved. There's the heat of the day. There's no water. That, that wicked sun. Not enough supplies. Freezing at night. Poisonous reptiles. Bugs. Bands of marauders were common. Yet they, yet they persisted. They wouldn't just leave it at scene. They wanted to be there. They wanted to follow it to wherever it would lead. They wanted to experience it firsthand. The cost being counted, they went. They followed the star. And why was it so important to go? Why, why, why did it mean that much? Because they understood who they were to find. The king of the Jews, the Messiah. He would be worth all the dangers and all the difficulties of the journey to just find him. They would follow the star knowing he would be at the end of the search. They believed what they, what they saw was about him. And they knew so much about him already from the prophecies. And that, that alone made them say, we're just going to go and find him. There were others who knew and believed and then stepped out in faith. Abraham, all God tells him is, go to the land that I'll show you. Yeah, what land is it, Lord? Just go. Okay. What did he do? He stepped out in faith and he went. Moses, oh listen, every day with the Israelites had to be a stepping out in faith for Moses dealing with those people. Joshua and Caleb. Man, they go and they spy out the promised land. They stepped out in faith and they came back and they said, we can take it. David, in his fight with Goliath, stepped out in faith and did what God had wanted him to do. There's a <clears throat> scene from Indiana Jones and the, and the uh, Last Crusade. It's there towards the end. Jones has found the, the whereabouts of the Holy Grail. But he's got to go through some, some riddles to get back to where it's at. One thing that's got these blades are just flying all over the place. The next one is he's got to step on certain spots to spell out the name of Jesus. He's got to get the, the Greek letters right and get across that. If he touches the wrong step, it, goes, it just falls through. The last one is called the leap of faith. He's walking through the passageway, and all of a sudden he walks to an opening, and he goes to take a step, and there's nothing there. And he pulls himself back, and he starts thinking of what the riddle was. He, he said, the leap of faith, the leap of faith. And he's looking. Henry Jones Sr.'s out there dying. He'd been shot by the, by the Nazis. And you're all going, you're crazy, Pastor Rob. He's in there dying. He's got to get to that Holy Grail so that, so that he can pour some of that water uh, so that he can, he can live, so that Henry Jones Sr. can live. And he's standing there, and there's this, there's this abyss. What's he going to do? And he's in this position, and it said, take the leap of faith. So what does Jones do? He closes his eyes, 
and he takes this, this step, and he, where you think he's going off into nowhere, all of a sudden there's a hidden path that you can't see with the, with, the, with the naked eye. And bam, he lands right on it. And as he puts his other foot down, they shift the cameras around a little bit, and all of a sudden you can see that path so clearly. That's what these wise men did. They stepped out in faith into the unknown to find the Messiah. Now ask yourself, have I set out to follow what I know to be the truth about this one who is called the Messiah? Some say, oh yes, I, I saw him on the pages of Scripture, those bright and, and shining stars that testify him, uh, the glorious Son of God. Yes, I follow hard after him, day by day, moment by moment, for I could not survive, yet the twinkling of an eye outside of Christ as my Savior. For he, Christ alone, is my sufficiency, my all, my greatest joy. I, I have gone many a day in difficulties and lost a Many a good thing of this world, but I, uh, listen, uh, listen, I have kept the best portion. I have kept Christ, my Lord, over everything this world offers. And listen, you would say, listen, I know my Jesus so well, as well as I can, because I would walk through the burning depths of a fiery hell or swim across an ocean of bitterness and sorrow at his command, as long as it meant coming to a rest in his arms at the end to the praise of his glory. Yes, I've seen and I will follow till my eyes go dark in death and I see Jesus in glory. And yet there are others in this room who dare say they have sought out and followed hard after him more than just a fathom or two. They say there, there is no need yet to follow after him any more than I have already done. Uh, I believe in that, and that should be enough for God. Or the journey, listen, the journey is too hard, it's too dangerous, it's too lengthy. My constitution is weak and weary. And honestly, I just have many other things of great importance to do also. I have to make my priorities. Or they say, I've followed the required distance to know just what I need to know to be saved. And that's all I need to do. And in the end, and in the depths of their hearts, they really think that that's okay. They can claim they know him and they belong to him, and that should be enough. But is it? Maybe today some have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and said, I see him, but now what? I believe Jesus to be the Son of God in whom salvation alone is found. Where to now? Where, where do I go from here? And oh, dear friend, listen, follow hard that road that leads to Christ. No matter what you encounter on that road, follow that road hard. Brave any danger, fight any enemy, suffer any and all tribulation and any hardship. Do anything that you have to do to lay hold of Christ and follow him. Let all that is in this world, that this world offers in distraction to the narrow road, be cursed and flee from it. 
And don't be satisfied with just enough of Jesus. Follow with everything inside you, every ounce of your effort, with all your strength. Get all of him you can. Get it right here and right now in this place. Christ Jesus, the Lord, the babe of Bethlehem, the joy of all ages, he saves to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Oh, listen, Christian, follow hard after him today. We don't, we, we don't need to ask again for another sign from our God in order, to, in order to follow him. Not one more star, not one more amazing event. We need to follow what is already there before us, plain as the noonday sun, Jesus Christ. And Christian, follow the road that leads to Christ, that narrow road, until he comes back or you cross that dark river of death and meet him on the other side in glory. Last point is this. The star is found. A star is found. The journey is sometimes difficult, but the rewards at the end are incomparable. If we look into the text, we see there uh, that there was a purpose at the end of their journey. And honestly, uh, sometimes it just blows my mind when we look there uh, at verse 4, or in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. What was wrong with them? Why would you be troubled about the coming Messiah? Why would that bother you? Well, it bothered them because they were wicked and black-hearted. They were reprobates who knew not the God that they claimed to know. Verse 9, that star continued to be their guide right to where the, the child was. Verse 10, they rejoiced with great joy when they found him. Verse 11, they fall down in worship to him. My own personal opinion is, I think these wise men were forever transformed and changed by Jesus Christ. It says, and have come to worship him. All those miles traveled, all the, difficulty, all the difficulties, all to worship this young child, the Son of God, Jesus. They would not be satisfied by worshiping him from afar. To come to Bethlehem nearly two years after the star first appeared was the only appropriate and acceptable solution to them. The Son of God was completely worth it. He was worthy of their presence and more. And there they lay at the feet of the Messiah their gifts. There before the prophet, the priest, and the king that Christ is, they laid the myrrh and the frankincense and the gold. Those who seek him will find him, for he is not very far from any one of us. Many find this babe in the stable. They stand and, and they look at him in awe with the shepherds who came first. Hearts changed and encouraged by seeing and believing in him. They have followed long and hard after him and now are rewarded in their finding of him who was born the king of the Jews. And, oh, Christian, you have been given the directions to, to the find of a lifetime. 
that pearl of great price, a treasure worth more than, than the treasures of 10 million worlds has been given to you this morning. And now it is found living inside you. You have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ himself, the gift of God, faith to believe, a heart that believes and is justified. Titus chapter 3, verses, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I don't know about you. <clears throat> That's what I found. That's what I found this morning. When I look back at Matthew chapter 2, I found my salvation. What, you, what will you do with that great treasure that you've been given? Would you hoard it like, like a dragon hoards gold? Hoard that treasure that's ever flowing to you? Or would you share it with others in which have such a great need of Christ's salvation? Yet there are many that have not. That which they think they have. They think they've got something, but they really don't have it. They think they've got Jesus all in this nice little pretty packaged up box, and they don't have him like they think, like they think he does. I've seen a little glimpse. Some people say, I've followed for a distance, and, and I believe I've found what I need to secure my admission into heaven. And we look at them and we go, really? Are you sure? Will you take that chance? Have you truly found the true vine, the bread of life, the living waters? Have you truly found Jesus Christ? What would you lay before his feet, the Son of God, if you have found him? Your life? Every part of it? Your time? Your talents? Do you rejoice when you come into the place of worship because you will be engaged with the body of Christ and the worship of Christ? Do you rejoice in the fact that you can offer up worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Do you fall down prostrate just at the thought of being in the presence of the Messiah, Jesus? Many will there be oh, that one day will cry out, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I never knew you, depart from me. Because in their hearts, they truly do not believe in Christ as the Son of God, their Messiah. Where are you at today? Are you still waiting for God to do one more thing? Are you waiting for God to do one more amazing, miracle, miraculous thing? Well, you may just wait yourself right into hell because he doesn't need to give you one more sign. His greatest gift is already given to you and it is right there in front of you. Jesus Christ, that babe that lay in the manger that one starry night. Do not the fulfilled prophecies of Scripture convince you 
the manger, the angel, the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna, the virgin birth. Is, not, is it not miraculous, marvelous, wonderful enough for you? May the distracted, wayward Christians this morning be broken. May you stop giving in to sin. Stop letting the enemy have great victories over your life. May you serve your king, your captain and commander with all your body, soul, and spirit. May the unrepentant hearts of the lost sinner be softened. May he be regenerated and brought back to life, to spiritual life in Christ today. May the heart of stone be ripped out and a new heart, a heart of flesh, replace it that seeks Christ alone. I know lost souls this morning, if you're here, if one listens to this, the, these words, run with all speed to Bethlehem. Gaze at the baby in the manger. Look a year or so later as the wise men who saw the star and followed it found the Messiah. Follow him with all your heart, mind, and body, and strength. For you have found God's greatest gift, the greatest miracle the salvation which is in Christ alone. And you found it underneath one starry, brilliant sky there in the manger of Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you take your word and you work whatever we need into our lives this morning. Let your spirit move upon us. Father, I pray that you would bless this time of fellowship afterwards, <clears throat> that you would bless the food to our bodies. Bless this day in a way that you will receive the most glory in us. We praise you and we thank you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in Christ's name. Amen.